This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Otherwise known as Ashrei Yoshevetecha, which ironically is not part of Psalm 145. It's interesting. Ashrei Yoshevetecha, the first line is not part of the psalm. We're going to talk about it. So we have to know that this is one of the psalms. The, I just want to read a little bit of the Talmud over here on Brachot. This is the Talmud in Brachot, Dalet Amud Bet. And the Gemara says, Amar Ravina. Ravina says, Kol Haomet Hilal David. Shalosh Muftach Loshu Ben Haolam This is amazing. Whoever says this Psalm 145 three times a day is guaranteed a place in the world to come. This is wild. This Psalm is so powerful that you say it three times a day, you're guaranteed a place in the world to come. So every single person who said this Psalm three times a day is guaranteed a place in the world to come. So the Gemara says, why? My Tama, what's so great about this psalm? Why should a person who says this psalm three times a day be guaranteed a place in the world to come? So the Gemara says, Maybe because this psalm has the whole alephet in it. It's each, each line starts with a different letter of the alephet. It goes aleph and bet and gimel and the dalet and so on and so forth. It c- completes the whole alephet. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, then Psalm 119 is much greater. Why? Because Psalm 119 is an acrostic, has eight letters of each letter in it. In other words, eight, eight lines start with Aleph, eight lines start with Bet, eight lines start with Gimel, eight lines start with Dalet, and so on and so forth. So if you say the greatness of Ashrei Yashvavitech is because it starts with Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, so the Psalm 119 should be eight times greater. Why? Because there's eight lines of Aleph and eight lines of Bet, eight lines of Gimel. In fact, we use Psalm 119 when we we're trying to say someone's name at the cemetery we say the name the letters of his name of the person's name the deceased name in the cemetery in psalm 119 so we say each letter of his name eight times so that's interesting so if the reason why ashray is so powerful is because it has the old alphabet spelling out the first letters of the lines then psalm 119 is eight times as powerful so thomas says can't be so that's not the reason Okay, so maybe it's because it says this line, this special line, that we're coming closer to the answer. What makes Ashrei so powerful? It's because it has this line, Poteach et yadecha. Poteach et yadecha, open your hands. Hashem, you open your hands and you provide for all living creatures. That's the line. That must be the key line in the Ashrei that makes it so powerful. That's what the Talmud says. So the Talmud says, can't be. Why? Because we have another powerful line in Psalm, in Psalm uh, 1, once, I think it's, yeah, 136. In Psalm 136, in Hallelujah, in uh, we say this Psalm every Shabbat morning. It's called Hallel Hagadol. It's called the Big Hallel. The Big Hallel. Imagine the Big Hallel. Why? Because every line it says, Kile Olam Chasdo. We say this also in a Haggadah, every Pesach, that his mercy is forever, his kindness, of God's kindness is forever. Very famous Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 137, 136, 136. So if so, it, it says in that Psalm, it says, Hashem gives bread to everyone, so his mercy is forever, his, his kindness is forever. So, why, so why is Ashrei greater than that psalm? It also talks about Hashem providing for everyone's needs. So the Talmud answers, because Ashrei is special, why? It has two qualities. It has both the quality of it 
Each line starts with another letter of the alphabet. It goes through the whole alphabet. It's an acrostic in the whole psalm of Ashrei. And that's why it's great. And number two is it also has that Hashem provides for everyone's needs. So there's two reasons why Ashrei is great. Why a person says Ashrei three times a day is guaranteed a portion of the world to come. This is fantastic. It's a tremendously easy way of earning a portion of the world to come. Is by saying Ashrei three times a day, every day. Why is Ashrei so important? Number one is because it has every single letter of the alphabet going through it. Starting each line, you're going to see this one exception, the letter Nun. And then, and the other reason is because it has this, that Hashem provides. Hashem provides our sustenance, the very important concept that a person should remember three times a day. That a person should remember everything is from God. It's so hard to remember this, especially when a person has a loss. That everything is from God. Our sustenance is provided from God. Open your hands, Hashem and you provide sustenance to every living creature. That includes everything. Animals, insects, everything, birds, every living creature is provided for from Hashem. It's very important to remember that. And uh, that's why we say Ashrei three times a day. The person says Ashrei three times a day. So it's two reasons. Number one is because it has the whole alphabet. So what's so special about the alphabet? And the alphabet are the letters that created this world. You know, when you learn this when you're a kid, you know, the alphabet created the world. The person says, well, what's going on? How the alphabet created the world? And the answer is today we know advanced math is all letters. It's uh, formulae. So formulae, equations. I uh, had a guy in my shul uh, in America. He used to walk around. He was a scientist. So he used to walk around with a, with a, with a T-shirt. And, he, and on the T-shirt it says, and God said, E equals MC squared. So in other words, Hashem created the world with a formulae. True, true. That's what the Talmud says. The Talmud says Hashem created the world with the alphabet. So it's not just formulae of regular letters. It's formulae of the alphabet. And that is something Kabbalists talk about all the time. The secret of Tiatametim is all in these letters. Whatever that means, the letters are formulae for something going on for tremendous powers and energies, spiritual energy. So the Ashray is a formula of alphabet obviously providing tremendous energy to the person, to their soul. And that's why Ashray is so important. Plus, there's a, there's a hint over there in Ashray, a reminder to us who provides everything for us. Where is all the energy coming to us from? And the answer is, it's coming to us from Hashem. You open your hands and you provide for everyone. So that's as far as eventually it's interesting. I pray every day in, uh, in a Hasidic synagogue called it's a Boston from the Boston Hasidim. They started a, a shul across the street from me. It's very convenient. A lot of the people pray there as Sfardim because it's Sfard and Sfardi, very close. And you see, I started seeing Ashkenazim also opening their hands when they say, Potech Yadecha. So they're copying Sfardim today. Sfardim, we open our hands. We say, Potech Yadecha. We're going like this to Hashem. You open your hands and provide for us. We're giving you a hint over here. You open your hands. My hands are open, ready to receive from you. You are the source of my sustenance. It's very important. The Shulchan Aruch says, if a person does not think, when they say Ashrei, that Hashem is the source of sustenance, they have to go back and repeat that line. So three times a day we have to say the Ashrei, and think, when you say, you have to remember all the time, constantly, Hashem is the source of our sustenance, Hashem is the key to our survival, Hashem is the key to all our needs, Hashem is the person who can open the doors to everything a person needs. Very, very important, critical, Critical information for all of us. If you need something, we have 
a power above who can give us whatever we need, provides for us all the time. And that's critical, a critical piece of information that we have to talk about every day, three times a day. So that's the secret. So Thomas said, there's two things of the secret of this ashray. Why does a person who says ashray three times a day guarantee the portion of the world to come? Number one, because ashray has all the formulae of life, alabet, whole alabet in it, starting each verse. And number two is it has this verse which talks about where, what is the source of our sustenance? And the answer is, Hashem is the source of sustenance. You open your hands and you are the source of our sustenance. The Talmud continues. Rabbi Yochanan points out there's one letter, as I mentioned, there's one letter missing in the Aleph bed of the Ashray. So the acrostic of Ashray, first letter starts, the first line starts Aleph, second line bed, and so on and so forth. And so there's one letter missing, and that is the letter Nun. The letter Nun is missing, does not start a line in Ashray. Why is the letter Nun missing from the Ashray? So Rabbi Yochanan says, Because it says, Nefilah, Nefilah. Nun spells out the word Nefilah, which is to fall. And there's a verse in the Torah, in Amos, chapter 5, which says, Nafla the Virgin of Israel will die and not get up again. Will fall down, not die again. Will not get up again. So if Virgin of Israel will fall, a term for Klal Israel, and not get up again. So we don't want to mention the Nun. <laughs> we don't remind anyone of this prophecy. So the, the rabbis, it says, the rabbis in the West, it's in Israel, would answer this uh, pasuk, this verse. So they, they say, it depends where you put the comma in the verse. Nafla Od, kum betulat Yisrael. Put it after the word od. So, nafla v'lotosif l'pol od. You will fall, and you'll not fall again. Get up, the virgin of Israel. That's uh, that's what the verse says. It's not saying you're going to stay fallen down. Get up, virgin of Israel. Not like you're not going to get up again. No, you're not going to fall again. Get up, our virgin of Israel. Anyway, so that's why there's no nun in the ashray. Nun denotes nefilah, which is falling. We don't mention falling in the ashray. Nevertheless, put in the nun in another verse, in the next verse down. The next verse is Samach, the letter after nun is Samach. So nun is missing from the acrostic of the first letters of the Ashrei. The next letter is a Samach, Somech Hashem Lechol Hanuflim. Hashem gives succor, gives succor, succor, S U C C O U R, succor to. The, the people who fall. He helps people who fall. So we find the Samach is helping the Nun. So the Nun over there is there, but it's in the middle of the line because Nun stands for Nefilah, which is falling. And the next line tells us Hashem is the one who helps those who are falling. So that's, that's a little bit of Talmud regarding the Ashray. And now I want to go more into details about the Ashray. So it's interesting. So the Ashray, as we said, we, we always talk about it's Ashrei, but really it, the psalm starts with Tehillah de David. A song of David, Tehillah de David. We're in Psalm 145, if you look at Psalm 145, you're going to be shocked. It doesn't start with Ashrei. Ashrei is a borrowed line from a different psalm, which we're going to talk about. So the rabbis added two verses to what we say every single day. So really the psalm starts with Tehillah de David, which is the third line of Ashrei. Third line of Ashtila David, and then it starts with the acrostic. So the heading is Tila David, a song of David, a praise of David, beautiful Tila David, a song of David, a praise of David. 
and then it starts with the other bed. Right, so praising God. Right, so it talks about praising God. Right, my God, the King. I will praise you, my God, and my King. I will raise you up, my God, my King. So that's how the Tilad David starts. So Tilad David is a is the heading. Tilad David. So the question is now, why did we add, why did the rabbis add two more lines? The rabbis wanted to be, make this a very special prayer and give it a build-up. They added these lines as a preface to the Psalm 145, give it a build-up. They took lines from other places. So, Praise those who dwell in your house. They will praise you also more in the future, in other words. You praise God in God's house in this world. You're going to praise God in the next world as well. That's a beautiful promise. Person praises God in this world. Those who sit dwell in the house of God in this world will praise God more, which is referring to the next world as well. So that line is taken from, from uh, Psalm 84. It's taken from Psalm 84, verse 5. It's interesting to take this line from Psalm 84 and put it right here in our prayer book. Right before Psalm 145, it's always linked. It's always linked today, Psalm 145, and that's why Ashrei is known as Ashrei, but it's really from Psalm 84, verse 5. But the rabbi stuck it over here before Tila David, and straight away they brought another another verse from Psalm 144. Praise the nation who this applies to. Praise the nation who. Hashem is the God. Praise the nation. So we have three praises in these two verses, which are taken from other Psalms. Praise those who sit in God's house. Praise the, is the people who this applies to. Praise is a nation who Hashem is their God. So three praises. This Psalm starts off with three praises, which were added. These three praises were added later on to be attached to Psalm 145, as I mentioned in our prayer book. We preface Psalm 145 with these lines borrowed from other Psalms. So it's, it's borrowed from Psalm 84, verse 5, It's borrowed from Psalm 144, praise the nation who so-and-so applies to, praise the nation that Hashem is their God. So it's interesting how we start off this with these two lines borrowed from other places. So it's interesting because you're not allowed to enter a synagogue without praying or learning Torah there. You can't just enter a synagogue arbitrarily. It's a big mistake. Sometimes people go, they visit the museums. They think the synagogue is a museum. They turn a synagogue into a museum, but you have to sit down in the synagogue. And the best thing to say is this line, Ashrei, praise that those who sit in your house. Because you shouldn't just walk through the shul. Um, you know, there's a famous joke. It says on high holidays, a guy comes to the shul, and he says, I need, to, I need to speak to someone inside the shul. And the, guy, the guard at the, at the gate says, sorry, you can't enter without a ticket. He says, but I don't, I don't have a ticket. I just want to say something very quickly and leave. I need, I need to tell someone a very urgent message. So the guy says, okay, you can go in for two minutes, but don't let me catch you praying because <laughs> you don't have a ticket. So you're not allowed to pray in the shul. But the whole purpose of going to shul, you're not allowed to go into the shul without saying something, without sitting down and saying, you're not just allowed to go into the shul and, and chat. You're not allowed to go to the shul and just walk through and make it into a shortcut. A person has to do something relevant to the sanctity of the place. 
So you have to sit down, say a line, and this is the most popular line, it comes to the head straight away. Then you can go out and show. You can't just walk in or walk out. You have to do something. And this became the line to do. This became the line to say, which has total relevance to the moment. Praise those who sit in God's house. Now it's interesting that you have to, when you go into the shul, you really have to think this is God's house. This is not my house. And that's why frivolity has no place in a shul. You know, unfortunately, uh, people, uh, you know, they don't really pay attention to, to the seriousness of the shul. The shul is God's house. It's not a person's living room. And therefore, no, no chit-chatting and no, uh, no uh, a person wants to chat, go outside the shul. Don't chit-chat in the shul because it's taking away from the sanctity of the shul. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Ashrei, Yorshvei, Vatecha. Praise that those who sit in God's house, in your house, Hashem. So the house, where is Hashem's house? In all the shuls and the Bati Midrash, the house of learning, the house of prayer. These are holy places. If your intention is not to go and pray there, your intention is not to pray and be serious, don't go. Don't go. Sit home. Go outside. You need to chat. It's very hard. It's a tremendous Yetzirah in the shul. And especially people go there every single day because then you get used to the place. Because you start thinking, you know, I've been here before. I know this place. It's like my house. It's frequent. I've seen my friends here. So I'll chit-chat over here. It's not a place for chit-chatting. It's not a place for frivolity. A shul is a holy place. Ashrei, Ashrei Vetecha, praise to those who sit in God's house. It's God's house. It's not my house. It's very hard to think about, this, especially when you see your friends there and you, you know them and you want to chat with them. So it's hard. Just go outside. Go in the lobby and chat. Go into the lobby and chat. The synagogue or the Beit Midrash is not the right place to chit-chat. It's not the right place. It's a serious place for service of God. It's God's house. We're in God's house. And it's interesting in the Beta Mikdash, especially show, and especially show. So Hashem, we'll see the Beta Mikdash in our days that we rebuilt. And you know, you'll notice one thing in the Beta Mikdash. There are no seats. There are no chairs in the Beta Mikdash. Why are there no chairs in the Beta Mikdash? And the answer is no one should sit down in God's house. Because once they sit down, they'll start relaxing. Once they start relaxing, they'll think. Ah, it's a place for frivolity. I can sit over here. I can chat over here. It's not a place for sitting down. It's a place you bring your sacrifice, you pray, and you get out. This is God's house. It's serious business. And the Kohanim, the poor Kohanim, really, I feel sorry for them. Why? They're not allowed to wear shoes or socks in God's house. And the floor is made of marble, and it's freezing in the winter, and it's probably boiling hot in the sunshine. So they were running around. They'd never had a spare minute. The Kohanim did not hang around the Beit HaMikdash. The floor was just too cold. They did what they had to do, and they got out as soon as possible. They were just frozen, especially in the wintertime. So that's the reason. The reason is we don't want people to linger over there. We don't want people to linger in the Beit HaMikdash, because when they linger, they start thinking, it's mine, I can do whatever I want, frivolity and playing around and lightheadedness. So it's better we make the visit short and sweet. It's better to be a short visit and a serious visit. And that applies also to God's house. The synagogues today are miniature Bate Mikdash. They are miniature uh, temples. And therefore, God's going to be serious when he goes to shul. Just focus on the prayers. Leave as soon as you can, as soon as you finish your praying. And then chit-chat. You want to chit-chat outside? Chit-chat. To do what you have to do and then go out and then you can chit-chat. So it's not a place for frivolity or lightheadedness. 
So it's very important to remember that. That's what this first line tells us. Praise that those who sit in God's house. There's a value to just sitting in God's house. Just by sitting in a person in God's house, you're doing a mitzvah. Just by sitting over there. It's a praiseworthy to sit in God's house. Why? It's a holy place. And a holy place will have holy effects on a person. We know we talked about, when we talked about Pirkei Avot, we talked about the five students of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. One of them was Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai praises Ashrei Yeratoh. Praise is his mother who gave birth to him. Why? Because the Talmud says that she would take him as a baby into the Beit HaMidrash. Just for a baby being in the Beit HaMidrash, obviously he's not going to uh, cause a disturbance. If he's causing a disturbance, he should leave. But if he's not causing a disturbance, a baby sleeping in the Beit HaMidrash is good. Why? The effects of the holiness of that place is having an effect on the baby's soul. So it's a very powerful effect. The person sits in God's house just by being in God's house and sitting in God's house has a terrific effect on a person. Now, it's interesting. I had a guy who came to me out of the blue, off the street, Mamash. He was a Jew, uh, but he had terrific mental problems. This, had, this is a true story. It happened to me. Uh, mental problems. He, he was a schizophrenia, paranoia. You name it, he had it. But one thing, he had this sensitivity. He would come into the shul and sit in the shul with no one there, obviously, and say, this is God's house. I feel peace at peace in this house. He was the one who, the only one who told me ever, said, I feel the presence of God in this house. So other people thought he was nuts, but sometimes you need a nut to come along and say the truth. <laughs> he wasn't nuts at all. In that respect, he was more sensitive than anyone else. So he could feel Hashem's presence. He said, this is the holy place. He wasn't religious. We would come in just to sit there feel he says you know he says obviously uh, he said when i die i want to be buried here inside this place this is the holy place obviously you're not allowed to be buried inside a shul but he had that sensitivity interesting praise that those who sit in god's house we have to feel that uh speciality the feeling that we are privileged to sit in god's house really we go into a shul you should feel privileged i'm blessed I'm sitting in God's house in Hashem's presence. This is, I'm basking in Hashem's presence. That's Ashrei Yisrael. That's the power of that verse, which the rabbis added to the Psalm 145. So those are the two verses that the rabbis added, which all start with Ashrei, Ashrei, Ashrei. And at the end, they added another verse. At the end of Ashrei, is a line which we say, at the end of Ashrei, and we will praise Hashem from now, and forever, hallelujah, which ends with this powerful word. I said the mo- one of the most powerful words you can ever say is hallelujah. Praise be God. You're praising God in one word. And that is from Psalm 116. Sorry, 115. From Psalm 115, we took this verse and we added it. So the rabbis added two verses at the beginning of Ashrei and two, one verse at the end of Ashrei, which were added on Ashrei. Today we say it's a sandwich. The main ver- uh, verses come from Psalm 145, but the first two are added from other Psalms, and the last one is added from Psalm 116. So this became a very important, as we said in the Talmud, a person who says Ashrei three times a day is guaranteed a place in the world to come. Wow, that's powerful. That's very powerful. That is amazing because it has the acrostic of the Alabed in it. It has this verse which deals with the source of our of Hashem's beneficence 
Hashem gives us, Hashem is the provider for us, but it's rather Hashem that we should always, when we say this verse, a person has to remember Hashem is the one who's providing for me. Hashem is the one who provides for us. Hashem provides for the whole world. His kindness is forever and for everyone. So that is the power of this, this prayer. Okay. We are moving on. So uh, what, is all, what is this prayer all about? And there's a couple of themes that go right through this prayer. So let's just give a very general introduction. What are these themes that go through the ashray? Number one, ashray, ashray betecha. Praised are those. Now the word ashray, see it's interesting, there's two words which are very similar. Osher and osher. So if you know how to pronounce the ayin, you'll say osher and osher. Osher with an ayin is wealth. And osher with an aleph is what ashray stands for, is happiness. Happiness. There's, there's wealth and there's happiness. Osher with an ayin and osher with an aleph. Now, not all the times it's synonymous. We always link wealth with happiness, but that's not all the time synonymous. A person can be very wealthy and very unhappy. And a lot of wealthy people are unhappy, and a lot of wealthy people are paranoid because they may lose their money, they're worried about their money, whatever it is. So it, it takes a certain character to be able to enjoy their wealth. You need osher with an ayin, but also osher with an aleph. Interesting. Osher with an ayin. So I heard once Rabbi Rieti says, osher with an ayin. Even though we normally term it as wealth, there's different kinds of wealth. Osher with an ayin stands for, ayin stands for enayin. Shin stands for shinayin, teeth. So enayin are the eyes, shinayin are teeth, and resh stands for aglaim. If you have eyes that can see, and you have teeth that can chew, and you have feet that can walk, that's osher, that's wealth. That's true wealth. So we have to, but we have to work on the aleph. The osher with an aleph, which is happiness. We have to work on the happiness. And not all the time does the osher with an eye and the wealth lead to happiness. So we have to work on being happy people. How do you become happy? Here the secret of this verse, ashray, You want to be happy? Dwell in God's house. Get close to God. If you dwell in God's house, number one is you won't have any worries because you know everything comes from God. That's the key. That's one of the keys to being happy is not to worry being reliant totally on Hashem, just, you know, that's why the happiest people in the world are children. Why? Because they rely on their parents. They're so reliant on their parents. Don't worry, my daddy will look after me. My mother will look after me. Hopefully, hopefully today, if you're lucky enough to have good parents, but it's rather Hashem. Yeah, thank God we, I had good parents. Thank God a lot of people have good parents. Parents look after their children. So that's why children are the happiest people, usually. So I'm just generalizing. Okay, so children usually are happy. Why? They have no worries. They know they, they go home, there's lunch, hopefully dinner, they have clothes, they have toys, they have children to play with, hopefully, but it's rather shame. nothing like happy children. So it's, that's why children are happy. So a person who has God in their lives, has a celestial parent in their life, it should be always very happy. Why? Because my celestial parent will look after me. A person needs to have trust in God. So that's what the power of Ashray is where it's praise to those, not just praise to those, happier those to dwell in God's house. Because it was in God's house, should be happy. I'm close to my maker. I'm close to my parents. Otherwise, we can always be close to our parents, really. I mean, I miss my parents so badly. Uh, it's been, you know, last, uh, was it a year, a year, two, nearly two years, my mother, nearly two years, I really miss her so badly. But then you have to remember, I have a celestial parent. This is God's way of teaching us a high level of living. I, my celestial, my real parent, the celestial parent, 
who no one can take away from me. That's my real parent. Praise that those who dwell in your parents' house. Who's your parent? God. Praise that those, happy are those who dwell in God's house. They will praise God in another world as well. They'll always praise God. You dwell in God's house, you're happy. They're the ones who are going to praise God in the future as well. There's Rada Shem in the, in the spiritual world. So that's one of the concepts in Ashrei is this concept of happiness. And Ashrei is telling us you're happy in God's house. What does that mean? You're, happy. you're going to be happy if you're close to Hashem. If you're close to Hashem, you can always talk to Hashem. That's the idea. The idea is we should always have conversations with God nonstop. Our cares, our worries, our trouble. That's exactly what David Amar does in Psalms. Book of Tehillim, we said, is a conversation with God. God is, David Amelech is telling God from his side, his side of the story. Hashem is the divine, if you want, psychologist. He's the divine provider. He's the divine parent. David Amelech is telling God all his problems. He's telling God all his cares. He's telling God all his sorrows. But in this, in, in this psalm, he's not. He's praising God. There's, there's a uniqueness of this psalm. Not so unique. There's a lot of songs which praise God. So that's one of the things. You're happy. A person can be happy when you're when you dwell in God's house, when you're close to Hashem. You're close to Hashem, you should be happy. Number two, Hashem cares about the poor and the oppressed. So Hashem lechol hanochrim. Hashem raises up those who fall. You know, I was at a brit this uh, past week. My, my one of my nephew, my nephew had a baby boy, Baruch Hashem, a brit. But the highlight of the brit was seeing the baby's great great grandmother, who is a Holocaust survivor, and she gave a Dvar Torah in the brit, which moved everyone, tremendous everyone. She said she had a privilege surviving, not just surviving the Holocaust, but but defying Hitler and creating a whole family in Eretz Israel. She created a religious family in Eretz Israel, and she said, we won, I won, I won, I beat them. Every time you have a child and you have another brief, there's a, you won the war against Hitler. So that was very, very, Hashem definitely helped her. Hashem raised her up, and she is so grateful to Hashem with all the things she survived, and all the horrors she witnessed. She was worthy of going to Israel and building a Jewish family in Israel, Baruch Hashem. So Hashem cares about the poor, He cares about the oppressed. Obviously, not all the stories ended up so well. Hashem rewards good behavior. That's one of the themes in the psalm. We're going to see uh, reward and punishment. Hashem rewards good behavior. And number four, psalm praises Hashem, whose justice and mercy applies to all people. So there's a kind of universality of man, this prayer. We're going to talk about how Hashem's justice and mercy applies to all people, not just uh, Jews. All mankind express God's, God's praises. That's the psalm. It talks about all mankind express God's praises. So uh, number five is significantly this psalm does not ask for anything. As mentioned, it's a praise of God without asking for anything. No complaints, no pleading, praise, total praise. Also emphasized is Hashem's kingship over the whole universe. And it's the only use in the first verse. Uh, it says, I will praise you, my God, my king. It's the only time in, in the book of, of Holtera, it says, Hashem the king, my, my Hashem the king, my Hashem the king. So Hashem is the king, he's the king of the world. 
And it's a, a very important phrase that's unique in this in this uh, psalm. It's unique in the psalm to call God my king. God is my king. So it's a uniqueness. These are uniqueness of Ashrei. Let's go more into detail of Ashrei. Very powerful psalm. So normally we say Ashrei twice in Shaharit. In our prayer book, it's twice in Shaharit. Once in Pesukei de Zimra, between Baruch Shemar and Yishtabach. And then it's again after the Shemona Ashrei, we say Ashrei again before Uvar Etzion. So it's said twice in the morning. And it's also said once before Mincha. Before the Shemona Ashrei of Mincha, we say Ashrei again, so that we remember that God is our provider three times a day. God is the provider for us. We're praising God with all the letters of the alphabet, and we're recognizing that God is the provider. And we said, if you, a person does not remember that, when they say the Ashrei, they have to repeat that line. A person got to repeat, just repeat that line. So now there's a big question. Magen Avraham has asked the question. Magen Avraham is the commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says there are two parts to our prayers that are very, very necessary that if you don't have concentration, you have to repeat. One of them is the first paragraph of the Shmon Asrei. A person does not have a good uh, intention, so good uh, kavana, or uh, it doesn't he doesn't uh, uh, recognize the meaning of the words of the first paragraph, the Shemun has to repeat the Shemun Then the Shulchan says, today we don't repeat it. Why? Because who says you're going to have more kavana or more intentions or more concentration the second time you repeat it than the first time? So even if you repeat it the second time, maybe you won't have good concentration. Second time. So, but if you, if you miss out Ashrei and you don't have concentration, Ashrei, you have to repeat it. So even today you have to repeat Ashrei, this line, but you don't have to repeat the first paragraph of the Shemun Asrei. So the commentary of Magen Abraham, he asked the question, what is the difference between Shemun Asrei and Ashrei? They're both very important. The Shogun says, both cases, you have to have concentration. So how come today he says you don't have to repeat the first paragraph of the Shemun Asrei, but you still have to repeat the line of if you don't have concentration? And the answer is, he says, because Shmon Asrei starts of Baruch Hashem. And if you don't have concentration the second time, you're going to say God's name in vain the second time. Whereas Kotech Yadecha is not a blessing, and therefore there's no problem of saying a blessing in vain. So saying a blessing in vain is the problem. And that's why today, if you didn't say the first paragraph of the Shmon Asrei properly, you don't have to repeat it. Because who says we'll have more concentration the second time? And that's why we don't do it, because it's a blessing. It could be a blessing in vain. Whereas Ashrei is never a blessing in vain. It's not a blessing. It's a psalm. It's never in vain. And therefore, you can always you can repeat as many times as you want. You can repeat Ashrei many times as you want. It's a good fallback. If you know it by heart, that's why it's also Alephbet. It's a vehicle to know the Alephbet by uh, the Ashrei by heart. If you have nothing else on your mind, say Ashrei. Say one of the psalms. This, this could be a favorite psalm, 145. Try and memorize it. It's very easy to memorize if you say it three times a day. Anyway, you can memorize it anyway. Please try and remember it. Memorize it. If you're worried, say Ashrei. If you're worried where your money is going to come from, say Ashrei. Open your hands and Hashem will open his hands. Fulfill our wishes. Fulfill our yearnings for good. Shower us with blessing. This is the source of our blessing. Hashem is the source of our blessings. So we say Ashrei three times a day, twice in Shacharit. And once in Minchat, just for the Shmon Esrei. So, so we talked about the Gemara. The Gemara says how important it is. Okay. 
So Rav Cook comes along and he tells us, he says this, there's two praises in the, in the, in the Ashray. We said the praises of the Alephet and the Potech Yadecha, two different important praises of the Alephet. So he says the Alephet symbolizes the acrostic of Alephet in the Psalm Ashray symbolizes all the Alephet letters in the Torah, 22 letters of the Torah that a person can use as vehicles to reach upwards spirituality to Hashem. However, a person needs, as we said, if there is no flower, there is no Torah study. The Mishnah says in Avot, a person cannot just study Torah, they also need a means of sustenance. So he said, that's what Ashrei is about. Ashrei says, you know, Alabet, learn Torah, the Alabet of the Torah, but also Hashem will sustain you. So a person needs to learn Torah, and they also need sustenance. And that, those are the two ideas, the important ideas. And that's why the Talmud says, you say it three times a day, you get a portion of the world to come, because Ashrei is the guiding light of our lives. A person's got to focus on Torah, and a person has to focus on earning a living. So Torah and earning a living go together. That is what the Ashrei is all about. Learning Torah and earning a living. Hashem should provide for all of us a living. is rather Hashem. Also, he says, that the Alephet explained that the fact that we believe in the creation of the world. As I mentioned before, that the world was created with formulae, Alephet formulae, formulae of letters, letters of Alephet, Hashem created the world. So by saying this uh, psalm, which has the whole alabet, we are also reaffirming our faith in the fact that God created the world. So that's also a very important part. So there's three ideas over there. He says three fundamentals of our faith. Number one is God created the world. Number two is the world stands on the Torah. We have to learn Torah, which is alabet. And number three is a person going to believe that Hashem provides for them, their sustenance. So Hashem did not leave the world. Hashem created the world. Hashem is part of this world. That's why we praise Hashem for being part of this world and Hashem provides for us. He's very much involved. It's called Hashgacha Pratit. There's Hashgacha Kladit, divine providence, which is general. And there's also individual divine providence. So when a person says, they're showing their belief in individual divine providence. There's rather Hashem. Hashem provides for all of us. We have to increase our, our bitachon, our trust in God. Listen, there's no way this country can survive without God. There's no way people, you know, this country, Israel is flourishing. You know, it's amazing. There was just a big deal. Intel just bought a big company. Intel's buying all Israeli companies. Now, if you notice, they buy tons of Israeli companies. They bought another company, Tower Semiconductor, yesterday, $6 billion. Uh, it's, it's a miracle. Here it is, a company in Migdal Haimek. Who's ever heard of Migdal Haimek? It's in the north of Israel, right by the Lebanon border. And Intel picked it up, $6 billion. Wow, amazing, amazing. This is a miracle. We're living in miraculous times. Here's a country surrounded by enemies, which is flourishing. Amazing. It's surrounded by enemies, all the troubles. Enemies within, enemies without. And there's a bracha here of brains, of high-tech, of inventions, which no other country has in, in the same percentages for sure, in the same percentages. And it's a blessing which we see, this is divine providence. Open your hands, Hashem, and give every creature their wishes of sustenance. Hashem will provide for all of us. So that is a couple of reasons for saying 
this uh, this uh, psalm. And the psalm, we said, starts off to of David, a praise of David. And uh, that David Abedek made that his title for the psalm. Tila David, a praise of David. It's pure praises. Each line is a different praise. Uh, and David Abedek had to praise God. Why? God saved David so many times. So David acknowledges that all his wars, you know, saved David from all his wars, all his troubles and tribulations in his life. Hashem, Hashem saved him. And therefore, Hashem, uh, David pieced together this psalm of praises. It's a, it's a patchwork of praises of God. That's what it is. Imagine if you're, you're, you're uh, stitching up different colors in your patchwork quilts. David Amenach stitched up this psalm beautifully, a patchwork of praises of God. Each line is the patchwork of praises of God. Of Hashem's thanking Hashem for his kindness. That's the thing. Thanking Hashem for Hashem's tremendous kindness towards David and using the alphabet to praise God. Amazing. So the Rokeach, who was a very important rabbi in the Middle Ages, and he wrote a commentary, basically he wrote a commentary on the Siddur, basically it's a Rokeach, commentary on Minhagim, commentary on the Siddur. He says, this, this line, the, 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 the psalm starts off, David, a son of David, Aram Chayel, Haim Melech, I will praise you, my God, the King. I will, I will praise your name forever and ever. And uh, so there's there's Tilat David and there's Tilat Hashem. There's the praise of David and there's the praise of Hashem. I will praise your name. And there's a that's that is corresponding to so there's two verses, corresponding two verses. The, David is praising God, and God is praising David. David is uh, blessing God, and God is blessing David. So interesting how there's uh, this uh, back and forth in the Psalms themselves, different Psalms. One Psalm going this way, one Psalm going the other way. David's praising God. One Psalm, God's praising David. It's a beautiful idea. So let's uh, just go through a little bit of this uh, in the remaining time. Go through the psalm. If you have the Tehillim in front of you, if you have a book of uh, psalms in front of you, we're in Psalm 145. And as I mentioned, it starts off with Tehillah David. It doesn't start off with Ashrei. Ashrei was added later. Ashrei in the first two lines were added later by the rabbis in the time of the, of the Talmud. Uh, Tehillah David. The psalm of David. Song of David. Aram I praise you, Hashem, my king. So Hashem, who is hidden, is hidden. It's impossible to see Hashem. All we can see, we can, that's what uh, uh, we just uh, read in this week's parasha, Kitisa. Moses, of all people, asked to see God's face. Now, it's interesting. When God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, Moshe Rabbeinu turned his face away. He's turned his face away. He was scared to look at God. You know what? He was right. He was right to turn his face away. On the other hand, he was wrong because he had the opportunity to look something he begged for later on and it wasn't granted. So maybe, I don't know, it's a big toss up over here, but I think he did the right thing by not looking because we find that people who did look when they shouldn't have were punished very badly. One of them was Abel, the rabbi say, Hevel, Hevel deserved to die, even though Cain was not commanded to kill him. He deserved to die by God's hand. Why? Because it says when his offering was accepted, he looked up. 
he looked, he looked whatever he saw, some kind of vision which he wasn't allowed to see. We find Yitzhak, Isaac, when at the time of the Akedah, he was bound on the altar. And it says he also saw, and that's why he lost his vision. It says Nadav and Abihu, it says at Har Sinai, it says the 70 elders were eating and drinking and looking at the divine, whatever they saw, I don't know what they saw, they weren't allowed to see, and that's why Nadav and Abihu, was one of the reasons why they died, they saw what they shouldn't have seen. So now Moshe Rabbeinu, this week's parasha, it's interesting, it says, God, please show me your glory. And Hashem tells him the very important words, you can see my back. But a person cannot see me and live. No living creature has the mental capacity to even have one little inkling of what God is. All we can see is God's back. Now, what is God's back? And the answer is God's works in this world. How What God did in the past, God's creation, God's creatures, um, lightning, thunder, those things that Hashem is in control of, all the things God's control of created in this world. Other human beings, other plants, vegetables, animals, how God created everything. That's what we can see. That's the past. That's God's back. We can see God's back. We can't see God's front. No one can see God's front and live. It's beyond human capacity to see Hashem. What do you mean? No one can see Hashem anyway. I don't think even in the next world, a person has an inkling maybe, but there's no such thing as seeing Hashem. Number one is Hashem is everywhere. There's no place in the world without it. We're going to see this one of the Psalms of David. But there's no place Hashem's presence is every single place. And uh, so uh, there's no way you can see Hashem. Hashem is unlimited in so. So therefore, this is the Malbim. The Malbim explains. He says, You yourself I cannot praise. All I can do is praise what I see, which is what you did, what you created. So Romemut says, is when a person is going above, above a person's capabilities, physical capabilities. You are my God. You are above all praises. I can't. I have no glimpse of you. I have no idea who you are. How can I praise you? I have no idea. You know, it's interesting because there's a halakha, which is interesting. That is, we're not allowed to praise God in any way which is not mentioned in the Torah. We cannot praise God in a different way than it says. We can't make up our own praises of God. Because by praising God, you can also take away from God. Right? If, you, if you say God can hear, what about God can see? What about other, other, other kinds of things that God can do? So by praising God in one sense, you're also a person could be taken away. So therefore, we're not allowed to praise God in a way that Moses himself did not use in the Torah to praise God. It's very fascinating. Very fascinating. We can't add praises to God that were not already said by the prophets. We cannot add praises because by adding, sometimes you take away the track. So that's what David Amenas says. You are above. You're above everything. My God, the king, you're above everything. You're above all praises. I can't even see. There's no vision of you. But I can praise your name. Because your name is your reputation. I can praise God's reputation because God I know is the creator. God I know is uh, kind. God I know, that's your reputation of God. I can't praise I can't praise something I cannot see. I cannot praise. All I can say, I can praise who you are by what you do. I can praise what you're doing. So that's how I can praise you. That's what David Amarath says. I can't praise you. You're above every old praise. You're above my uh, ability to fathom. I cannot fathom you. How can I praise something I cannot fathom? 
but I can praise you for what you do. And that's that's basically what this psalm does. It takes different attributes of God and praises them. He praises God in all different forms. So we praise God for the goodness that comes down to us. We don't know who that is. We can't really praise God. We praise God the, the, for the kindnesses he does for us. Every day I will, I will praise you. Why? Because we say right now, prayers, Hashem renews creation every single day. So we're praising God every single day. Why? Because he renews creation every single day. So that's his kindness, which he does for us every single day. Gadol Hashem. Hashem, you are great. So now it's interesting. Uh, to you, God is Gedula, So Gedula is translated as Chesed. God's greatness is God's kindness. Very interesting. You are praised tremendously. Because your greatness has no end. So again, we say Gedula is greatness is kindness. God's kindness has no end. That's why if God's kindness to us has no end, then we have to praise God with no end. So we're praising God's kindness. We can't praise Hashem himself or herself. We can't praise God in that sense. Why? Because we have no inkling who God is. But we can praise God for what he does. And that's what we're doing in the psalm. Okay, my friends, use this psalm. It's a tool to get closer to God. Use the holy places to get closer to God. And Bezrat Hashem, we will all grow together. And we'll continue the series next. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.